kind of in the process of losing my voice, so I think it'll be quick. So everyone who's <laughs> everyone who's tired, great, just bear with me. Um, thank you, Pastor Ryan, for letting me do this. I don't get to do that often, and I rarely ever get to do it when my mom and my grandma are in town. I don't know ever if they've ever heard me speak. So I'm glad that they're here. Hopefully, my college education paid off, and they like it. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, it's good to have him in town. We, we picked him up like 11.30, and I was in the point that I was tired. It was like 11.30, and oh, man, we got in so late, and then it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, oh, man. So um, this is a one-off message, and normally we kind of have series, but we're in the summer, and summer is hectic, so it's kind of a one-off. So, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day, and we were kind of just talking, and about life, and he's one of those friends that I don't really spend that much time with, and we were catching up, and we were really kind of going off, and he got a new position at his church, and I was asking if, if Lee was worth it, and, and do we learn everything we need to learn in college, and all this stuff, and we were kind of talking about some downfalls and some things that Lee did teach us, and then we kind of got into life and said, well, is life everything you thought it would be? And in college, we kind of had this plan. We knew what we were going to do. We knew where we were going to be in five years, ten years, and we, we thought the world was ours to manipulate, and we could, you know, we could do what we want to do. And then anyone who's been in the world for any length of time realizes that that's not the way it works. You kind of let the world happen to you, and you kind of figure it out. So we realized quickly, like, man, life is different than we thought it would be. So we kind of started breaking down what really matters in life. So I have three things today I want to talk about that what really matter in life. Now, I have three other things in here that we're going to talk about before we talk about these three things that that matter a lot but don't are not scriptural, so I couldn't preach on them. If I could preach on them, I would probably figure out a way to do it, but I couldn't. So these are the three things that matter that aren't these three things. So write them down. Just write down three things that matter that aren't these three things. If you're young, save it. If you're old, give it to someone young so they can use it early. The first thing is this. Support a good sports town. Like, I grew up, my grandma's here, so I said I wouldn't say this because there was someone going to do it anyway. Grew up loving Cleveland, Ohio, as a sports town, full of heartbreak, full of just heartbreak and misery. Like, you know, the, these, the Indians in the 90s, we can say that because we're talking about the Indians in the 90s, they were good, but they had to play the Braves, so we didn't win anything. You know, and then... LeBron James gave us one championship as the Cavs, and I think totally now, if you took all the wins for Cleveland, I think they average about 20 wins a season for all three teams combined. They're just miserable. So support a good team. Now my kids live down here. They can pick a team they want to pick, so probably Georgia team, which may breaks my heart a little bit. <laughs> Calm down. I will make them pick not Georgia team. They will join in my misery. The second thing, find a good job like don't don't do don't do internships this is what we've learned in, in ministry they do only do internships a lot don't do internships i like steak dinners and i like vacations and internships don't do that <laughs> so find find, find a good job and uh, another thing the last thing is get a good dog if you don't have a good dog it doesn't matter in life we have a dog that runs away it's a hound dog that likes to chase squirrels and cats and it's a nightmare to catch until it catches a squirrel or a cat. We have to chase this dog for hours sometimes. This is not fun. 
to get a good dog. But those are three things that matter but aren't these three things. These are the biblical three things. If I could have preached those three things, I would have preached them, but I don't have any Bible verses. If Pastor Ryan could find me some, that'd be great. But I, but these are the three things that matter that are in the Bible, So, if that makes sense. The first one, be intentional about the communion you build in your life. What I mean by that is this, be picky about the friends you let into your, your circle. It matters who you surround yourself. Your successes and your failures will determine the people in your life. And this involves family. Let, don't let everyone speak into you clearly. and Don't let everyone influence you if they're not a good influence. It, it matters in life who you surround yourself with. You know, growing up in, in, from, in when I was in youth, in youth it, it's show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And that's still true today, and that's still true as an adult. If you surround yourself with negative people, you'll be negative. If you surround with people that think badly, you'll think badly. When you go through crisis, if you surround yourself with people who are never going to seek God or never going to have hope, you're not going to have hope. That's why I, I, I am a big fan of counseling as a, as a person. I went to counseling when my father passed away when I was young, and I, I'm still a fan of it, but I don't understand non-Christian counseling. If you don't have hope, and as a Christian, you all you have this eternal hope called Jesus Christ that can change any situation. If you don't have hope, I don't understand how you live. I don't understand how you see the life if everyone's just going to be sick and tormented their whole life. You need to surround yourself with people that matter. Four or five years ago, probably more like five years ago, I went to the Redwoods, and I, and I have a picture. Just put the one picture that I didn't fix it. So put the one picture. Yeah, put that one. I'm a big fan of anything that makes me look small. That's a redwood. <laughs> that's a redwood um, photo. And we, w me and a friend, went there, and we we were we started in Redding, California, and it was like 110 degrees, and we went to um, the redwoods, and it was cold. It was the 60s, 70s there, and um, and we went into the the shop, the or like souvenir place, and where the some of the park rangers were, and they were they're giving their tour. Now we were too cheap to actually pay for the tour, so we just kind of stood there on the side and listened. But um, one one thing they did say was there's there's a lot of bad storms that come through that part of Cal Northern California. And the, the, they have hurricane force winds, probably like 60, 70 miles per hour winds. And they said because the, the redwoods are so tall, um, they're very easily could get blown over. But the, they've, they've noticed in how the redwoods grow is the root system grows intertwined with all the other redwoods in the forest. So the first redwood in the forest is attached to the last redwood in the forest if you just drove through, because all the roots are combined. And how the redwoods withstand the wind, they withstand the storms is not because of their height or because of their girth, but it's because their root system is all connected. And, and that, that's an amazing thing to think about in life is the way you withstand storms the way we, we withstand bad things in life it's not because of how big or how strong we are but it's because of who we're connected to and, and what, what i want us to understand is it, it matters who you connect yourself to in Pro proverbs of thir 13 20 it says whoever walks in the w walks with the wise becomes wise but, whoever but the companions of fools will suffer harm and, and it matters who you connect yourself with this pastor that uh, I follow, he says this. He says, we need to hang around people who pour water on their fires or their fears 
but they're gasoline our passions and our dreams. You, you need to find people that are pro you, that want to help you, that want to encourage you, that maybe don't always give you the easy truth, but give you the hard truth, give you that talk that you don't need, you don't want to hear, but you have to have. You want to find people in your life who are willing to do life with you. And it, it's a hard thing. There, we can always find friends and, and people that, that just do life because they're around you. In, college, in high school, I went from first grade to 12th grade with the same group of kids. We were the second graduating class in our, high, in our school, so every year, every grade before me, they added a grade because it was a new private school. And those people I did life with from first grade to 12th grade, we had like 30 kids, and if someone new came in, they were like attacked because they were just so new, and we didn't, we, everything was the same amount of kids every year. And the funny thing is, now, I, after graduation, I'm friends with none of those kids. Not that I don't like them, not that, that I'm not friendly with them if I don't see them, but I was only friends with them, I realized, because I was just around them every day for 12 years. I didn't have connections with them. I really didn't have hobbies with them. I didn't have my life was going in a different direction that they went. So when it went, it went. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll touch base with them. But we're not, I would not consider us friends with any of them. But then there's some kids I met in college. There's some people I've met along the way in, in different cities uh, as we've done ministry that, that I believe that are knitted in my root system that I will do life with forever that when I have a bad day or something happens, I call them and they, they, they strengthen me, they help me, they encourage me. Be intentional in who you surround yourself with. A good book is called Boundaries. If you want, it, it, I forget who the author of it, but just go find the book, read it, if you want to figure out a good, healthy way to figure out life, to figure out who to let in, who to push out. And it's okay to say, listen, you don't need to know everything about me. It's okay to be intentional about who you let in to certain spots. It's okay for that. Be intentional about that. The second point is be consistent in doing good or doing what's right. I, I think uh, growing up, what the things that matter is we need to be consistent in doing the right thing. Galatians 6, 9 says, and, and let us not grow weary in doing good for the season we will reap if we do not give up. I realized this, that as Christians, we kind of are given this list of, of rights and wrongs, list of things and do's and don'ts, and you kind of have, you're kind of told, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, and you're kind of, that's how you, you judge your life. But I found it so much easier just to run after God and say, God, what do you want me to do? And he shed off the things that don't matter. When, when you're running after him, you're saying yes to him, and you're saying no to a lot of things that don't matter. And we have to be consistent in doing right, consistent in following through, and consistent in doing things you want. When people look at you, one of the, the verses in the Bible that, that doesn't haunt, it's not the right word, but always challenged me is Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. I mean, it's a very simple word. And, but man, how many, if the people followed you, where would they go? Where would they end up? When they see you, do they see good? Do they see God? Do they see someone they want to be like? Or do they see a hypocrite? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in, oh, you're horrible. But, man, there are times it is struggling. I have three kids, so there are times that I want to scream and yell. You know, we, we've had, we make the joke all the time. The, the worst time of the, of the week is the drive to church on Sunday. 
normally I get to drive it alone from here so early. My family comes later, but the arguing and fighting and stuff, and then you get it here, you raise your hands and you pray God, and everything's perfect. And what I what I've realized is this: you have to be consistent. I want my kids to see me, and they see God. I want them to see someone who followed through on their actions. The last one is probably the most important one: be be meaningful in making it, making an issue with God. Make time to make time for God. Eli is my middle child, and he, you know, he's a typical middle child, and I feel like he's. He's not in here, so I can talk about him. He's a little bit more emotional. Brooks is four. He's four. He doesn't know anything. Harper's older. But I'm going to try to eat like he's a little bit more emotional. He's he's the one that he'll get his feelings hurt. It, it matters, like, just to spend time with Eli. And Eli, more than anyone, asks that for us to do things with him. Harper will go do her own thing, and Brooks will play with Star Wars or Spider-Man or something. And, but Eli will, hey, will you go throw a ball? Hey, will you go do this? Hey, will you do this? And I've learned that it, just being with Eli is important for Eli. And, you know, Eli loves fishing, so we, we try to go fishing, and all my fishing stuff is saltwater stuff. So I, when we go here, we go to the ponds locally, and we just, he fishes. And I sit, and we talk. Well, you know, he tells me he wants to be a YouTuber or an influencer or a movie star, you know, every dream that an 8-year-old has. But it's just being with him, making that, that history with him that's meaningful. Eli, the other day, wanted to watch basketball. No, Eli doesn't know anything about basketball. Doesn't know the teams, doesn't know anything. But he, we watched game seven of, of the NBA Finals. Alan Christian shouldn't have really sat down, but the game started so late. So we sat down and watched it. And Eli's asking question after question after question. And I'm trying to answer everything the best I can. But every five minutes, Eli's just up running around and jumping off the couch and doing what he does. And I realized quickly that Eli didn't really care about the game. He, you know, he went to bed at halftime and didn't care who won. The next day, I told him who won, and he didn't, he didn't care. But he just wanted to spend time. And, and and what I've realized is this: that we have to be intentional about that moment with God. It's not getting up and praying and reading and shutting the Bible and being done, but it, it's inviting him in to every aspect of your life and being intentional about that. You know, I, I've realized that it's easy to tell God our failures and give God our failures. Oh, God, this is all the bad things I've done. I'm sorry. Amen. But what the, what is the shine of maturity is when you give God your successes and you give God your, the good things and say, God, because of this, because of this, you did this, or you did this good thing in my life, and you give God the glory for all the things that he's done. We like to take the glory and say, well, I earned it, I did it. We need to be intentional or be meaningful about the history we make. Too many times in life we, we want to make big acts, and I've told this story in here before, um, and I didn't tell it in first service, so my old youth pastor, she... Um, she just she was one of those people that prayed and, and heard from God and, and she was very good in discerning things and we were at a winter fest which is kind of like a part of the um, kind of like a forward the youth went to and we were in Tennessee and it was just me me and a friend and then her and her husband and her kids all in the minivan driving home so we were 
driving and she turned around and said, God, Adam, God spoke to me about you last night. And if you're like me and you're in middle school or high school, fear en enters your body instantly. <laughs> and you're all of a sudden like confessing everything you've ever done to God. You're like, Lord, I'm sorry. And it's like, do not let her say anything out loud publicly. That would embarrass me. And you're just terrified. So you do quickly, you, you go through all that stuff. And then she said, you know, she made the statement. She said, Adam, you want to find God in the big things. And God wants to find you in the small things. And this, I, this was a trip to Winterfest. And I, we were going to go to Haiti. We were going to do all this stuff. And I, I had this big, long trip planned to do all these mission trips and all these great youth trips and all this awesome stuff. But I, if I was honest, my day-to-day -day walk with God was lacking or not even lacking, just wasn't even there, to be fair, in, in middle school and high school or whatever age I was. And I realized, and she kind of spoke to me, she said, God is happy that you go on these trips and great that you do other mission stuff and awesome that you sacrifice and you do the fasting and you do all this stuff. But she said, God wants us to spend time with him. God wants to spend the day-to-day -day times with you. And now having kids, I've realized that, I mean, I, we pay for vacations and all the great stuff, but the things that they remember, the things that Eli remembers and Harper remembers aren't the great vacations. And, you know, we went on, we went on vacation earlier this summer, and we took them out to all these restaurants and all these great places. And we, when we got home, we said, where did you like to eat the most? And they said, IHOP. We went to IHOP for lunch one day because it was across the street and we were all sunburned. So we decided we're just gonna go there, eat quick, and come back. And we went to all these fish places, all these amazing beach places and all this stuff. And they said they liked IHOP the best. I was like, there's an IHOP 15 minutes from my house. <laughs> we could have went there. It saved us all this money on this trip, you know? But they just enjoyed, they didn't care about the fish tacos and the, you know, the sandy beach stuff. They just wanted to be with us. and. Uh, I realize with God, we have to be intentional about making time for him, making your history. As, as pastors, I wish we could give you our history. I wish we could have certain people pray for you. Like this Ira was here. The Wrights were here last week. And she's a woman that I know spends time with God. And I've had her pray for me. And I, when she says she's praying for you, I know she's praying for you. But as much as she sits up here and she prays, she cannot give you the time she spends in her prayer closet praying. She can't give you the time she spends with the Bible open, reading his word. She can't give you that. She can't give you her relationship. And we come up here for prayer. And we pray for things. And I grew up in a very Pentecostal church. So we have prayer lines and prayer tunnels and all these things and we want the people to impart things on us and prophesy over us and all these things we want what they have and ultimately we want their relationship but the only way we get that is just developing our own relationship and just like my kids I, I heard this counselor say this one time and Trent and Miss Rainey can come up here um, I heard this counselor say once he said he had this couple in there arguing about um, they're gonna, she filed, she wanted to get a divorce and they were arguing. 
The husband made a statement. He said, I take you to Paris twice a year. Why are you grateful? And she said, you never pick up your underwear and put them in the dirty clothes. And the counselor stopped and said, you do big things for her. You let her shop and do all these funny things. But the day-to-day things you don't do and the day-to-day things that matter.